Welcome to the Diversity and Fellowship Podcast, where we discuss how the gospel brings us together and keeps us together. We are your hosts, Kenny King. And I'm William Marshall, and we want to encourage Christians to think through how our lives and our churches can be a faithful display of how the power of the gospel unites us in Christ. Thanks for tuning in. All right. All right, so I'm Kenny King. This is William Marshall. We co-pastor Grace Bible Fellowship, and and today I'm going to pretty much just talk about um, how Grace Bible Fellowship came about. Uh, We've had the um, article from William and and Practical Shepherding, but I'm going to repeat some of those same things, and but you'll get it from my perspective instead of the wrong perspective. Watch it. And so, <laughs> want to make sure. You see how this is going to go, right? Want to see everybody, everybody has, has the truth. Um, so we want to make sure it's told properly, all right? Uh, first, I want to begin with a little story. Um, me and my son, my son is named Kenny II. Uh, William affectionately calls him Deuce now. Deuce. He's known as Deuce, but he, he was 20 years old. Uh, we were riding in the car. We we're going to a cookout. Going to a cookout. I, I got the right terminology now. You can't call a, a call it a barbecue unless there's a, a pig some, That's right. somehow That's being right. roasted. And we, we, we learned that from the different culture. You, yes. can't call it a, you can't call it a barbecue. So we're going to this cookout. And this cookout is um, outside of the town we live in. It's in Sykeson. But it's in a, I mean, it's like coming down these roads, except mm. it's less stuff going on. Right. And so I'm like, uh, we're going to these white people house and we're in the back roads. Like it's something out of a horror movie. Like what if this is a setup? Yeah. And you know, me and my son looking at each other like, you know, we don't fare well in horror movies. Like black people, they the first people, they the first people killed in the horror movie. So I'm like, what if this is a setup, man? He's like, he's laughing, we're laughing. And then we pull up, we pull up to the wrong house. And a guy comes out with a shotgun. And yes. I'm like, oh, this is not a setup. <laughs> like, we really in trouble here. So we pulled back in, went to the right house, and we were actually at the first official gathering of Grace Bible Fellowship. Mm. And so we're going to talk a little bit about how that actually came back. So mm. I'm born and raised in Sykeson. A little bit about Sykeson. Sykeson is a town of about 17,000. 18,000 and the boot hill of Missouri. Sykeson is historically segregated. Historically segregated. Sykeson is the place of the last official lynching in the state of Missouri. Uh, in in, in Sykeston, let's say Sykeston is about 70% white, uh, about 20% white, and rest black. other, right? Rest other. Yeah. And the, the, the black community basically lived, it was cut off by the railroad tracks. And that was, that was where I was raised. I was raised in the railroad tracks. And I was raised to be suspicious of white people. And so, you know, me joking about is this a setup? That was kind of my the way I was raised. I was always skeptical of what what white people's motives were. And so, and that's part of we didn't go into white people, white communities, and they didn't come in our community. That's how it was. We didn't have a, a very good view of the police, um, and we we understood that this is our hood. We stay here, and and we don't go into those neighborhoods. So fast forward a little bit. I come to Christ later in life, and in about 2007, I, I come to Christ. And me and my wife, we, we moved to St. Louis. We're like, we don't want to have anything to do with Sison. Sison is, is hopeless, and so we don't want to have anything to do with Sison. We moved to St. Louis, and, and we become a part of a multi-ethnic church. We, we actually started attending a multi-ethnic church. 
So in attending this multi-ethnic church, I'm like, got all these white people being nice to me. And I'm like, okay, why are y'all being nice to me, first of all? <laughs> like, are, are you trying to have one white friend? You know, that's, the, that's kind of one of the suspicions that black people have. You, you want a one white friend so that when somebody accuses you of racism, you can say, I'm not a racist. I have one black friend. And you can point to me. So mm. I'm being very suspicious. But the Lord convicted me of that pretty early on. Like, hey, you're, you're judging bad motives on your brothers and sisters in Christ. Like, you can't be doing that. So the Lord convicted of me. We got really engaged with our church in St. Louis. We, we vowed to never return to Sykeston. We loved our church. We loved living in St. Louis. We weren't going to have anything else to do with Sykeston. Fast forward a little bit. Uh, the church is actually preaching on Jonah. I, I had a, um, a really horrible spine injury. So I had a lot of time in the word, a lot of time in prayer. And one of the application points from this series in Jonah is, you know, what is your Nineveh? Like, where's the place you're going to run from if God sends you to go to that place? And we're immediately like, Sykeston. We are not. God says go to Sykeston. We are going in the opposite direction. Like, send us to Siberia, send us to Somalia, but do not send us back to Sykeston. And the Lord convicted me of that. Like, if Sykeston is hopeless, you have the hope of Christ. You should be able to, to go back home and and change some things. So during that time, it's about 2011, 2012, the Lord is calling me into the ministry. I'm like, I'm the guy on the soundboard. <laughs> like, I don't want to be in front of people. I'm the guy that works the soundboard and tries to stay in the back so I don't have to deal with people. But the Lord is calling me into the ministry. And my, and my wife is like, yeah, you know, I think the Lord is calling you to the ministry. And I say, no, I think he's calling us back to sight. And she's like, nope, nope. I was like, okay, Lord, I know I still got a lot to learn. I got a lot, thing, lot of things to experience, so I know we're not ready now. You will get her ready whenever she needs to be ready. So I'm going to just stay, stay where we are. I'm going to learn from the church, learn different things that I need to learn. And so during this process, God is, is calling me to be a youth pastor in our church. He's actually calling me to be an elder uh, in our church, and everything's going fine. I'm, I'm learning things that I need to learn in order to to pastor uh, back in Sykeston. So in 2014, many of you remember the riots and protests in Ferguson, right? Mm -hmm. So we lived about 15 minutes from the actual spot where Michael Brown was shot. In our church, we went down and handed out water, prayed in the community, helped clean up some stuff, all that different stuff. We did, we did all that. But our question was, what if that happened in Sykeston? What if that happened in Sykeston? And me and my wife looked at each other and we're like, it would not end well. Like, Ferguson was bad. It was horrible. I mean, you see some of the destruction. You see some of it on TV. But when you actually went there in person, it was horrible. And we were like, if that happens in Sykeston, I mean, Sykeston is not that big. I mean, it doesn't recover. Sykeston doesn't recover if that happened there. And so we were like, it's time. It's time for us to go back. And, and the Lord smooth, made the pass move. We sold our house really quickly, uh, I mean, really quicker than what we wanted because we didn't even have a house in Sykeston yet. <laughs> and, and so the Lord made that pass move. We, we returned home. The intention was for us to plant. We were part of a Evangelical Free Church of America, the intention for us was to plant through them. 
We got back to Sice and realized that that was going to be harder. Our transition was hard. It was really, really hard on my wife. So I pulled back from that. And at the same time, the church that I grew up in, Smith Chapel United Methodist Church, this is the church I was, as a kid, I went to church in, their pastor was leaving. And so they approached me about becoming the pastor. I, I had preached there a few times while I was in St. Louis, came down and preached and whatnot. So they're like, oh, you want to be the pastor? I was like, absolutely not. Absolutely not. I do not want to be the pastor of Smith Chapel United Methodist Church. But again, you, you really don't tell God what you're not going to do, right? See, it seems like you're usually going to do the opposite, right? Like, like Lord, I really don't want to be a millionaire. That, that doesn't work out for me, though, <laughs> right? After I, I thought we had a little pattern going that you're going to do the opposite of what I say. It actually doesn't work like that. So I feel like the Lord was calling me to be the pastor of Smith Chapel. I'm going through the process through the United Methodist Church, and they're telling me their beliefs. And I'm like, I really don't believe that. I really don't believe that either. And I really don't believe this. That doesn't matter. Just go ahead and be the pastor of this church. I'm like, okay, I will go ahead. I mean, and here's the thing. I love the people. These are people that I knew from a kid, like people who were like uh, grandmas and grandpas and stuff to me. And I'm, and I'm looking at their pastor, and he doesn't have the same view of the Word of God as I do, that the Word of God is inerrant. It's, the word, it's actually the Word of God. It's sufficient. And I'm like, okay, they're not getting the right Word of God, so I love these people. I'm going to come in, and I'm going to lay this foundation properly. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to come in. I'm going to preach the Word. Uh, I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to love on these people. That's what I'm going to do, Lord. And so I go in and do that, and I realize as I get more um, acclimated with the United Methodist Church that we need to leave this denomination, like, and, and we need to do it fast. And so in, in 2016, I become the pastor. I'm, I'm saying I'm just going to preach the word. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to be a little bit patient. You know, we, we heard about patience yesterday. I'm going to try to be patient, but I'm going to see how these things go. Uh, you, you probably all are a little bit familiar with the squabble that is going on within the denomination. I was like, Y'all are, missing the, y'all, y'all are missing the forest for the trees. You think this problem is, is really the problem. Your problem is you don't believe the word of God is inerrant. That is your problem. You're looking at the symptoms. There's a disease going on in this church. And I was like, okay, it's time for us to leave. It's 2019. Let me re- rewind a little bit. So get back to Sykeston. Um, start to form relationships with the, with the uh, majority culture, with friends with a bunch of white pastors get a bunch of opportunities to speak in different environments because my message is reconciliation. Reconciliation between us and God, reconciliation between one another. So I get a lot of opportunities to speak, and one opportunity that I got to speak was at a Fellowship of Christian Athletes um, event called Fields of Faith. And so the town basically comes, different schools comes in, different um, um, organizations come in, and you basically at the football field, and you have this this big event. And so I'm the the keynote speaker, basically. And I get up and I preach from Ephesians two. We are reconciled to God, right? Saved by grace through faith. We are reconciled to one another. Jesus has torn down the dividing wall of hostility, right? In His flesh, right? On the cross, this is what Jesus is doing. And so I preach this from Ephesians two, and you know having my normal conversations with people after these things, and I look at my phone, and I get a message from this pastor. Now, generally, when somebody wants to meet with me, they're about my same age or at least in my age range. 
And so I look at my phone and I look at this picture. And I'm like, what does this old white guy want to do with me? He's only a year older than me, a but year. the picture. One year older than you. The picture was like, this dude is old. Like, why does he want to? Why does he want to meet with me? So he he encourages me. He says, hey, you know, good good job preaching the gospel. Let's do lunch sometime. And I'm like, I eat, he eats. So let's let's go eat some lunch. And so I've had these meetings a hundred times with different people. I don't know what, where this is going at all. And, and we meet at a local restaurant. We, we talk about what's going on in our different ministries. He tells me about you know, his, his kids. He's adopted um, one biracial kid. One, one is um, African-American. Um, talked about some of the work that he, he was doing in the, on the west side of Sykeson, which is the predominantly African-American community. He did something called Church in the Park. Um, where he was trying to minister to that community, but he didn't really have any partnership in that and didn't want to, you know, as Nathan was talking about, working from top down. You don't want to do that. You want to be a part of the community. So he he was looking for somebody to to partner with, some people to be, some faithful brothers to be a part of. And when I had came to Sykes and they was telling me some church named Trinity was doing this, and I thought it it couldn't have been that Trinity. That's what I was thinking, because they're as far away from the African-American community as possible. (laughs) Yep. in Sykeston. So I thought it was another trinity, and I talked to this pastor. He was like, I have no clue what you're talking about. <laughs> and so I finally actually get connected to the right guy who's mm. actually trying to do some work the old in white the community, guy. right? The old white guy. Yeah. <laughs> and so William asked me, hey, you know, what does your church need in order to be healthy? And my, my response was basically, we need to leave the denomination. And this was in 2017. And so me and William, we meet over time, and we, we continue to meet, just forming a relationship, no idea of we're going to merge one day. I think in 2018, we did our first like joint services. He came and preached at Smith Chapel. Then I came, we preached through Jude that year. Uh, he preached at Smith Chapel. I, I went and preached at, at Trinity. And, and so we just started, you know, doing things together. Yeah, nothing big. You know, we still have no idea that we're going to merge. In 2019, like, it's time for us to leave. Like, there's no... No ifs, ands, or buts about it. It's time for us to leave. Now, I could have did this at any point because in, in the black church, the pastor is viewed a bit differently. Like, the, the pastor is honored almost to the point of worship. And so just because you can do something, though, doesn't mean that you should. Like, I wanted to make sure that the people were following, not me, but they were actually following God in this, that they see this in the Word, and not necessarily just because Pastor Kenny is saying it, right? So I could have done it when we first came, but it was like, just because I can doesn't mean I should. I want you all to really be on board with this. So in 2019, I said we're going to leave. We start this process, and then me and Will meet, and he says, what are you going to do after that? I was like, you know, we'll just change the name and kind of be an independent church, and, you know, we'll continue doing what we're doing. William's like, what if we merged? Like, that is crazy. <laughs> that is crazy. It's, it's crazy for Sykeston because of the history of segregation, but usually when you're seeing multi-ethnic work, it's in uh, urban areas, right? It's usually in urban communities. We're sort of kind of rural still, right? And we're like, this is not going to necessarily work out the way we anticipated. The good thing is our people had kind of already had some joint services together and gotten to know each other a little bit. But I was like, this is going to be crazy. So he was like, let's, 
let's meet with some guys. We had two local DOMs who, who uh, William had been working with, and we met with them. We met with another guy who's um, the head of, re of revitalization and replanting in Missouri. He wasn't at the time, but he was still local enough to where we could work with them. And so we meet with them in June of 2019, and I'm like, yeah, this is great. You all should do this. You all will be merged by September. And we're like, that's three months away. There is no way that is going to happen. I still need to have the vote to get out of the denomination. We still got to, you know, get all of our people on board. There's no way that's going to happen. But we start the process. We start the process. We bring, uh, we do another joint service in, in July of 2019. And this time we're actually working through Ephesians 2. So we don't preach the reconciliation between us and God. One week, the next week, I come back and preach Ephesians 2, reconciliation between the people. And so at that meeting, we, we have a town hall and say, we're moving forward with this merge. And everybody's pretty much excited. We go through a period of prayer uh, between churches, do a couple more town halls. And, and one of the town halls, like the, the town hall that was at Smith Chapel, I told them how it was going to go. Nobody's going to ask questions <laughs> because nobody will publicly ever go against the pastor. Nobody, the only people that asked questions weren't even members of Smith Chapel. They were our musicians who were, <laughs> who were hired, basically, to come play. Like, nobody's going to ask questions if I'm standing there, for the most part. Uh, but I, I, I went to the Tile Hall at, at Trinity, and that was completely different. Yes, <laughs> right? yes, it was. It was completely different. I was like, hey, uh, I'm not used to this, right? But... The, the beautiful thing about what happened in, in this white congregation, and me and my son, we're the only, uh, now we're not going to other black people there because you had some, you had some African-American members. Mm. Uh, the beautiful thing that I, I saw there is that you had, you had someone who wanted to hold on to the name, and we were, we were committed to this is a new work. Because it wasn't like either one of us needed to merge. Like Smith Chapel wasn't doing bad. We, we were healthy. After the word was made the foundation again, we were healthy. We didn't need to merge. We had enough money to buy our building and continue on as an independent church. Trinity wasn't dying. They were healthy. We didn't, we didn't need, so we were like, if we're going to come together, it's going to be a marriage. We're going to start something new. And someone wanted to hold on to the name, and I remember, like, I'm standing this way. There's, let's say this is the other side of the room. There's a wall of white ladies was like, nope, we ain't going for it. <laughs> we are not going for it. If we're going to merge, we're going to change the name, we're going to do everything right. And I'm like, I didn't have to say anything. Like, we didn't have to say anything. Like, it was, everybody was so committed to the work. Like, we're, we're me and William, we're like, we're ready for problems. <laughs> like, we know some problems are going to come. And, and the Lord just made that, that path straight. Amen. And so it was, the, the people were we're ready for it. So we did. We do the town halls. We uh, and then on September the eighth uh, of 2019, we we vote. We we have this vote, and so William's service starts earlier than mine. So so they vote and it goes through just fine. And so we vote, but I don't tell William um, as soon as I know it's going to pass. <laughs> right? We're already left the denomination. I don't tell William because I got some more votes to go get. We're already unanimous. Nobody votes against it. Um, so William is uh, worried that the vote didn't pass. 
because I'm an hour after service has ended, and I'm We're still having the lunch. I'm, they're still having, We're having lunch. lunch, waiting. To I'm hear riding around you. the community still. Some Kenny's of our members. Out of where Kenny's at. <laughs> right. <laughs> He's worried that the vote hasn't passed. But it was unanimous, and sooner or later, I just go ahead and text him, like, yeah, we're, we're good, we're good. <laughs> <laughs> we're good. You can stop worrying about it. So um, we end up, and so, so then we have the cookout, just a glorious time in the Lord. September 15th, we get together, we have our, our first official uh, service together, and we begin the process of, of having a lunch date. We, we actually had an official lunch because we had to get all the name change, all the different, you know, all, the, all that good stuff. So we have our official lunch on December the 1st of, of 2019. We're actually merged by September as the, as the DOMs and, and everybody had said. Um, we have our official lunch. We begin the process of establishing some values and, and um, figuring out what we're actually going to do. <laughs> Right. And, and so one of the values that came out of it that we started using this phrase, lead with grace, because we understand that because we are so different, we're going to have some issues. Right? Because this, this, is, this issue has been going on for so long, we know that everybody's gonna, not going to come together and we're going to hold hands and start singing Kumbaya. So we start, we start saying lead with grace. And that's one of our values is that we want to lead with grace. We want to come in. We want to bear with one another. We want to... Um, uh, overlook offense sometimes, right? We want to we want to make sure that we're 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 treating people with the grace that we ourselves has been have been extended by God, right? And so we we start some conversations in um, February of 2020 uh, called Gracism during our fellowship meals. We did a fellowship meal every week. We do that, right? Methodists are really Baptists, right? We like to eat too, right? <laughs> And so we have a fellowship meal every week, and during this meal, we started having conversations around the different issues that kept us separate over this time. And, and, and those conversations were, were going great. I, people were being open about, hey, this is what I believe, this is what I believe, and, but this is what the Bible says, right? This is what the Word of God says. And so we, we, we were having those conversations, and then COVID hit. And we're like, okay, God, we, we've only been merged for six months, mm. all right? I mean, and what are we going to do now, all right? And the Lord knew that, that COVID was coming. Mm. And, you know, I praise the Lord that he did bring us together when he did, because if I was a single pastor during COVID, I'm mm. probably not, not here today That's as right. a pastor. Yep. So I praise God for, for bringing him me, I don't, you know, not having to, um, do this by myself, you know, I, I, I mean, hats, hats off to you all who are single pastors, but I do, I do praise the Lord for bringing this brother, this brother to me. And just the, the love that the, that the people have for one another. I, like during COVID, that they continue to seek out one another, continue to fellowship with one another, uh, even as we made difficult decisions and had to even remove the fellowship meal for a season and, and everything just being crazy. The people kept loving on one another, and, and that was an encouragement for us. Um, just some things that, you know, going forward, kind of what we are doing now, um, we are, our church was in, uh, of course, the African-American community. We changed that to our community center, and we meet in, in Farmer Trinity's building. Um, we still do um, some programming down in the African-American community, but we are looking to build 
We bought some land on, on the west side of town in the African-American community, and we're looking to build a community center there. Uh, when we first merged, what we did is we did some surveys. We went around the community, we asked questions, hey, what are you, you know, kind of what Nathan was talking about. What are your desires? What would you like to see in this community? How can we best help the community? And almost to a person, it was like we need more things for kids to do after school. Or we can't get our kids up to the YMCA, which is across town, because we don't have a car, or we can't pay the fee for the YMCA. Or we can't go to the complex to, to um, play sports, because we can't, play, we can't pay the fee, and the complex is probably further, further away from the <laughs> black community as you can get in Syston. We can't play school sports because there's money that's involved in that. So we need something in our community that we can, that we can, can, our kids can participate in. And so we heard that and we were like, okay, how are we going to accomplish that? Our current community center, our church is not big, big enough to accomplish that. So we saw some land for sale and we was like, okay, we'll buy this land. We'll sell some of the property at uh, former Trinity that we meet at now, and we'll, we'll purchase some land. And then we were like, okay, we, we, we went to the Gospel of John, and the Gospel of John says Jesus came to dwell with us. Like, you can, you can, you can try to reach the community being outside of the community, right, inside out, or right, outside in, whatever you want to call it, right? Or you can actually dwell among the people. And so we said, what if we sacrificially gave up what we have now in order to build in the community that we're actually trying to reach. Build in the community that's underserved, that is vulnerable, that injustice has happened in all this time. And so that's what we're in the process of, of doing now, is that we are, we are seeking to firmly plant ourselves in that community um, to reach it for the glory of God. Um, what did I leave out, brother? That's good. You did good. So, so the, I mean, the setup wasn't, you know, I'm going to this white place and they're really going to do some evil to us. The setup was God. God, God was working through it. It didn't look like what, what I had planned, right? It didn't look like what I had planned, but God was at work in, in what we were trying to do here. And it's all for his glory. Amen. All for his glory. I mean, John 17, it says, Jesus prayed that he wanted his church to be united so that people will know that the Father sent him. So when people say, just preach the gospel, it's like, do you not know that Jesus tied the gospel to the unity of his people? Do you not know that, that that's what he did? Do you not know that the gospel is in, in, in his flesh? Jesus has torn down the dividing wall of hostility. Like, that's the gospel. That's right. So you can't say just preach the gospel and not work towards the unity of the body of Christ. And so th this is where we've, we've seen God work in our, in our area, and we give Him all the praise. Thanks so much for listening to the Diversity and Fellowship Podcast. If you want to join the discussion, please send us your questions and your comments to diversityandfellowship at gmail.com. That's diversityandfellowship at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Until next time, keep laboring by God's grace to be a faithful display of how the power of the gospel unites us in Christ.